Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh edition of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. Quick programming night notes. Tonight, Bear Their Souls with Dan Aguirre and myself. Two and a half hours of raucous fart jokes and uh, Justin Fields talk and all that nonsense. Um, and then uh, tomorrow, it's Bardon Hockey Talk at 2 p.m., uh, Mac and Reed at 6 p.m., and no Buffon 55 this week as John is taking the week off. Let me bring in the star of the hour, the man that we all know and love, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you? <laughs> I'm getting there. Get feeling a little better, huh? Yeah, I feel a little better. Yeah. Do I sound any better? I don't know. You look better. Yeah. I, I know you're you're on a different computer. You look and sound uh, better, so everything's working uh, well for you. I hope. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, I woke I woke up this morning. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's right. Every time I wake up, it's a surprise. Whoa! <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I'll be honest, there's a couple of days a little over a week ago, and I'm wondering when I go to bed, am I going to be there in the morning? And I'm yeah. not lying, but, you know. Yeah, yeah you, you mentioned that to me. I was really worried, and, and Don and I uh, said some prayers, and so we're, we're glad to hear you feeling a little better and uh, more uh, work to be done over at the doctor's office, but uh, you're on the road to feeling better. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, how did you feel after the game last <laughs> night? <laughs> Were you feeling better or worse? <laughs> Goodness. Mm. Oh, him up. shit. That, you know, you're supposed to feel good. Mm -hmm. No. I, 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 I almost felt like it was a loss. Mm -hmm. And that that was a game that was for the most part totally dominated by the Bears on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the offense couldn't do anything. And I don't blame one offensive player. That was, and I had a, you know, a text conversation with a guy who knows what the hell he's talking about. And we both agree. That might have been the worst call game we ever saw. Yeah. Ever. In my whole life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, it was pathetic. And, I, you know, I'd love to go back through the tape and see how many bubble screens or quick screens that he threw. Guarantee it's in double digits. Yes, it's. I think Next Gen Stats said there was 14 of them. Yeah, well, you know, that's ridiculous, especially when the opponents know that's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. It's a favorite, And they know how to stop it. Uh, it's a wasted play. Yeah, one or two. They start the game with one, for Christ's sake. You know, which is like, Jesus Christ, what the hell is he doing? But, I mean, I, you know, I'm usually kind of quiet on X during games. And I don't know if you saw my, my feed last night. I did. Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I was pissed. It, and 
there's there's no excuse for it. Um, he, you know, people want to evaluate Justin Fields. And granted, he had the two fumbles. And I'll tell you this. Those were damn good hits that caused those fumbles. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best ball carrier in the world might have fumbled on both of those hits. But that's no excuse. He still fumbled. The, but the play calling, you're not giving that poor guy a chance to show what he can do. There was no aggressiveness in the play calling. You know, when you're playing a defense that, that constantly pressures, you've got to have plays that counteract that. And a lot of it is, is not screens, but some quick passes, quick outs, quick slants, and then a lot of hot read passes. Because when you got a blitzer coming in, that leaves an opening. Right. And, you know, and you got the hot read, the receiver goes to the hot read, you get the ball out of your hand, boom, you got six, seven yards. You take it. Was there one? I don't think so. I'm starting to think, is there one in the freaking playbook where, <laughs> where the receiver's got to make a hot? Lewis Reddick, who's a you know a good friend, we worked together in Philly, and I've known him since he was at Pitt. You know, he said the same thing. He he had a a post last night on X. He goes, "Do the Bears know what a hot read is?" You know, and, and it's crazy, and, and so that's what makes the wind kind of deflating. Mm-hmm. You know, because should have been. Minimum 17 point win. Minimum. If there was any kind of offense. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I didn't think Justin played bad. That could, you know, throw up the first Minnesota game where I didn't think he was that good. And now when you go back and you put both Minnesota games together, it might not have been his, you know, his fault. He's actually played good now in his last. What six games? You know, and you know, you say you get draft a quarterback. Well, you know, you look at the two quarterbacks, and I, you know, I got had a big grade on Caleb Williams and Drake May, but both of those guys have been very mediocre to finish the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we say, well, why would I take one of these guys? Are they any better than Fields? And if you go back to when they were in college. Who was the better college player? Yeah, Fields. Darn right he was. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Fields was uh, statistically taking a look at the box score here, which I had and lost, and here it is again. Uh, 27 out of 37 for 217 yards. He took three sacks. He had a QBR uh, of 41.9, whatever that means, and 87.3 the uh, Q rating. Um, and he also rushed for 59 yards. Problem that I have with Justin's performance yesterday, and I I totally get it. I, I totally agree with you and others. Uh, tons of people in the chat room criticizing the play calling of Luke Getzey. He didn't give Fields much of an opportunity to get things going, but uh, Fields showed a uh, inability in that first game against Minnesota for two quarters to adjust to the exotic blitzes 
that Flores was throwing at them. So I think the game plan coming in was to throw these horizontal passes, get rid of the ball quickly. It was the same thing O'Connell was calling for his quarterback, Dobbs, because these guys just are not good. These two quarterbacks just are not good at uh, picking up blitzes. Uh, and with Dobbs, it's, it's, it's of course, much more uh, – uh, you know, you can understand it more because he's a new player to that organization. But with Fields, still, it, it, it still is a problem. So that was Getsy's thinking is the horizontal play calling. I don't See, like I don't it. I don't, I don't know if I, if I totally buy that. Okay. Because I, I think you want your offense to win, you got to be on attack. Mm -hmm. They're not on attack. He calls a play like he's – he calls a game, not a play. Like right. he's trying not to lose, yes. Instead of trying to win, mm -hmm. you know, ultra conservative. You know, when you when you see that those bubbles aren't working, why are you coming back? Right. It just right. it 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 makes no sense. Is all of a sudden one going to break? No, it's not going to happen. They're looking for it. They're mm -hmm. totally prepared for that play. Mm -hmm. So you're playing into their hands. You notice when they tried to throw downfield, they had some nice completions. Right. And Especially those were on that last one, DJ. Right. And inexplicably, Flores stopped blitzing in that final drive. Uh, Greg, uh, excuse me, yeah. Brad Briggs wrote about that in his 10 thoughts column. Well, and true, but then they're dropping, they're dropping seven in coverage. Mm -hmm. and, and he still completes the ball, and DJ's wide open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and there's no doubt about it that Fields can make those plays. But the problem is, so let me ask you this. Why do you think then there were so many horizontal play calls? It, was it just because Getsy was playing scared? Uh, or or what, what strategically would, I, would account for that? And, and I've never been – very vocal about this all, all season. I left it alone. I don't think he knows how to. Hmm. He doesn't have a feel. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a couple games that he's did, done a, a, a decent job, but when he's up against the defense like last night, he doesn't know what the hell to do. Mm -hmm. And so he, he, he plays scared. Yeah, uh, and it's hard to argue with that about playing yeah, scared. And so, how do you how how do you fairly try to evaluate the quarterback when the quarterback is at the mercy of the play call? Yes, yes, I agree. And I, you know, I floated this last night on our after the game show, and I know it's a ridiculous idea. But I would love to see Justin Fields play these last five games under a different offensive coordinator. Now you can't do yeah, that. That's not, not gonna, gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. But boy, wouldn't it be cool if you know they had somebody step in for for uh, uh, Getzey, and then all of a sudden you see play calling that are more suited for Justin Fields' talents and also challenge him. So that see, we the can... only way the only way you could do that is you keep the same system and you call different plays. You mm -hmm. can't change the system with – hell, it would take the rest of the season to learn the damn thing. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. so you, you just can't do it. 
So, um, you know, there right. was somebody I had a Twitter conversation with last night, and she said that, uh, you know, they should just make Janako the OC. And I said, what? You know, maybe he could do a better job, but he's never called a play in his life. How do you know he's going to do any better? You know, right. you can't you can't fire somebody unless you got somebody to replace him. I but, totally agree. And you know, there's and, no and, one understands. If, if you don't have that, then you're throwing in the towel. When you mm -hmm. make the firing, you're throwing in the towel. Laz asks, how did the Getsy, how did the hell did Getsy interview well? Who's to blame him? Who's to blame? Him or who hired him? Well, well I do know, know this, Greg, that uh Matt Eberflus, when he interviewed for the job, he said, I have known uh, this guy, Luke Getze, for years. He and I have talked to one another, and he presents a really interesting way of how to attack defenses. So he was – Eberflus brought him in. Well, Flus is on record, and, and I tell you, you know, Pep came in to, to interview, and Pep knew he, he wasn't going to get the job because Flus was adamant that he wanted that Green Bay, L.A. Rams, San Francisco, you know, Kyle Shanahan offense because he feels that it's one of the toughest offenses to defense. Okay, that might be true. But and it's not the scheme. The scheme is a good scheme. It's been proven to be a good scheme. Mm -hmm. But you've got to have a guy who's calling the plays and designing it because everybody, to, you know, makes their own take or takes, you know, of, of designing the plays within the system. Terminology is the same, but it's not, you know, exactly the same from team A to team B. And the way you attack a defense, you have to attack a defense. You don't let the, you don't want the defense to dictate to you. And that's what he's letting happen. And again, I have not been vocal about this. I've kept my mouth shut. Just in. yesterday, after last, after watching last night and during the game, I got vocal because it was like this game is there for the taking. Just like three other games this year, they were there for the taking, and they didn't win because of one person, and that person doesn't play. Yeah, interesting take. Interesting take. So, you you mentioned the two fumbles, and you said that those are two good hits. But it's still inexcusable that Justin Fields fumbled the ball on those two on two of the last three drives, and one of them near the red zone, or maybe in the red zone. Uh, I don't recall exactly. No, they're both. They were both closer to midfield. I think. No, no, no. Uh, let me let me tell you. Let, uh, let me. No, maybe, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah. The, you, you are the one. The one cost the field goal. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so my 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 point is, you know, when when those two fumbles happened after the second one, I was just, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this kid, under all of this pressure to prove himself, should have been coming out in this fourth quarter and played dominant, you know, and and he he loses the ball. He loses the ball. If you look at the all twenty two, I looked at one one play and I wish I would have pulled it. He had a guy open 
on that first fumble, but he gave up on the play too early and got out of the pocket quickly, which is something that you have been critical of in the past with with Justin. He he just doesn't trust the blocking. And one and, and on one play too, uh, Roshan Johnson just did a very very poor play, a poor job of picking Absolutely. up a blitz. Absolutely, that was uh, the guy was coming from the offensive right side. The That's the one left. Yeah, and yeah, I remember the play. He did a poor job. No, no yeah. question. And that's a reason why he probably doesn't play as much as he should because you got to be able to pass protect. Oh, and, man. And the best pass protector they had now plays for the Detroit Lions and, yeah. and Monty. You know, <laughs> I, I think they got some better runners here than Monty, mm-hmm. but that sub bitch could pass protect now. Yeah. And, and that's important. You got to have a guy. And you know, after the bye, Foreman will be back, and 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 that'll help. Because um, he's a damn good back. I mean, we talked about it when they got when they got. You know, mm-hmm. for, for the amount of money they paid him, they stole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Greg, did it cross your mind at all that perhaps there would have been a press conference today, and there would have been an announcement that Matt Eberflus was being fired, or do you think that win saves his job for these last five games, these last six weeks of the regular season? I'll go back to what I said a minute ago. Who are you going to replace him with? Who well, on this staff are you going to make an interim head coach? Let me throw out a couple of ideas. John Hoke or Dave Borgonzi. Um, they can take over the, the defensive coordinator job, move uh, Snow in from his desk where he's watching tape and bring him onto the sideline or bring him over to Hallis Hall. That, you know, there are ways to compensate. The, the reason I asked the question, Greg, is because we've seen all these firings over the last few weeks in the NFL, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, uh, head coaches, and so – I wonder if Kevin Warren – right? The only way – does it make it right? Like I thought the, the Frank Wright firing was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The guy was handed a bare basket to begin with. I agree. Okay. So now, you know, the old saying, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. But that's what <laughs> they're asking him to do. And yeah. then on top of that, not only does Frank get fired, but Chris Tabor then – and I like Chris. He's a good guy. So what happened? I don't know. Chris turns around and fires Deuce Staley, who isn't a good coach. He is a great coach hmm. and and one of the most highly respected assistants in the game. Now he's been brought up for, for head coaching jobs, even though he's never been a coordinator. Hmm. Uh, I have worked with him just one year, and that was the 2012 year. I was like, wow, is this guy – I mean – I'd want him on, on my step in a second. And the only thing I can come up with is Deuce didn't have a whole lot of respect for Tabor or something. And, and Tabor knew it. Because, and I'm throwing that out. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. But now they've had basically the coordinator still there, but right for all, you know, was really the coordinator. The three best offensive coaches are gone. So and, and and this guy thinks this owner and did you hear his press conference? No, I did not. Oh my god, it was just you know about an hour ago. Okay. It was like he has no clue what he's freaking saying. Oh my gosh. I, 
I got a friend that, that writes in, in Charlotte, and I was going to text him, and I'll, I'll do it when we get on the show. But that was almost an embarrassment, you know, listening to him. And, you know, and somebody said, do you think you'll be able to get out, you know, get a good coach? And of course. Well, fact is, he's had six coaches in six years. Who is going to go there? These guys want to have a career. They don't want to go for a year and get fired. Right. Right. I did read a quote uh, from Tepper saying, you know, he was asked what he's looking for in a head coach. He said, I want somebody who will read my eulogy in 30 years. Oh, yeah, make I, it 40 I, I, years. I, I was, yeah. I, <laughs> he said that. And I was like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> this guy is billionaire. Yeah. Some some people become billionaires purely by luck. <laughs> uh, and I've had a lot of bad luck. By the way. He is a perfect example. You know the old saying, owner's own, coaches coach, scout, scout. Mm -hmm. He's a perfect example of that. Own the yeah. team, sit in the corner and shut the fuck up. Thank you. Am I riled up today or what? <laughs> I think you are. I think you are a bit. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions here from Hank and JPN. Keep firing away and then we'll get to our Q&A segment in uh, just a few minutes. There was, one, wait, there was one that said Fields could go. And you know I was critical of Fields. Yes. I do not believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. I believe that Fields deserves somebody good to work with. And I'm not talking players. I'm talking coaches. I get you. I get you. So are you sensing that there is not much of a future for, for at least the OC after this season? Yes. I, I think there's no chance that he survives. Mm -hmm. There's a theory going around, and it's a stupid thing that Albert Breer just made up. And he, actually, you you tweeted I, I, it. I, I wrote about it in Windy City yesterday. Yes, I and, saw that. And, 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 you know, I basically said there's a lot of these national guys really, you know, they, they don't have time nor the know-how to know exactly what's going on with 32 football teams. Mm -hmm. So he puts out this thing, and basically it was a hypothetical theory on his part that, you know, Kevin Warren's going to be more involved in football decisions. And I tried to explain that in my article. He already is involved. He's mm -hmm. president of the team. Okay. What it means is he he doesn't make the decisions he puts his blessing on the decisions right okay and he listens and if he says well, i don't know if that's a good idea he's going to say that mm -hmm. you know that's his job because he is president of the franchise right okay now it's some of the stuff is contractual and so you know, generally speaking, the general manager in his contract mm -hmm. has the right to hire and fire a coach. Now, sometimes he's got the right to hire, but not necessarily fire. Mm -hmm. The ultimate guy in the firing process is the owner. And it's not that the owner does the firing. Again, the owner's got to sign off on it. it it's his team. You know, so, mm -hmm. I mean, he has that that right so in other words if you said you know if if polls goes to kevin because kevin's is 
you know, you got a chain of command. Mm-hmm. And he goes, we got to make a change. And then they have a meeting of the minds between Kevin Poles and, and George. And, and, you know, George has got to sign off on it. But Poles is going to be the guy who actually does it. Gotcha. You know, so, um, but, you know, people, of course, they see something and they think, well, Kevin's going to do this, this, and this. No, he's not. He's going to do what he's supposed to be doing, run the whole organization. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like there's no chance that Warren is going to want to fire everyone at House Hall and bring in his own GM, who, and then they'll pick a coach. I don't think there's a chance in hell that, that Ryan Poles gets fired. Yeah, that's what I'd be wrong, obviously. But I I just think the chance is probably one in a million. Mm -hmm. Ryan Poles has done a good job in bringing in players. Has he made some mistakes? Of course he has. There's not one GM in the business who hasn't made a mistake. And perhaps the biggest mistake he's made was was in his selection of Matt Eberflus as the head coach. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, and, and I mentioned, I might have been in an article last week, was it really his decision? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just like John Fox was not Ryan Pace's decision. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so, you know, rookie GM, you're, we, this is the guy we think you should hire. And and Ryan's gonna, you know, be a team guy here, and and sign it. Now again, was, I'm throwing a guard at the wall. I admit it. Could it have been his favorite? Yeah, but could it he have been pushed to that favorite? If you know what I mean, you know. Just, Absolutely. You know, and and so. Personally, I think, you know, the best guy that they had in the finalist group was Dan Quinn. Okay, now, the best thing that happened to Dan Quinn was not getting the job and continue to run a great defense in Dallas because now he is head and shoulders above any other candidate in the league Mm -hmm. for a head coaching job. You know, so he's going to be able to pretty much pick and choose. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I think the candidates overall leave a little bit to be desired. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't, you know, your buddy Mike North loves Harbaugh. I wouldn't hire Harbaugh if he's the last goddamn coach in the world. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> You know, first of all, he's he's weird. He's Mm -hmm. wacky. Um, His sideline antics are juvenile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was successful in San Francisco. It was also 10 years ago, and the game has changed in in 10 years. And, yes, he puts Mm -hmm. a good product out on the field at Michigan, but that isn't the NFL. Right. And don't forget, he, he was like 0-6 against Ohio State before he finally freaking beat him. 
Because he started stealing <laughs> signals. Exactly. You know, he had a cheat to win. Yes, exactly. And don't, and don't think for a second that that isn't a big part of the wins. Mm -hmm. When you know yeah. what the other team's going to do on every freaking play, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. The other issue with Harbaugh is his success at San Francisco, a lot of that came because of Vic Fangio's defenses. And they had so much talent on defense. Not, not to say that Harbaugh didn't do some innovative things with Kaepernick. Uh, that was evidence in that, that primetime game against the Chicago Bears when Kaepernick ran up and down on the Chicago Bears defense. But – Fangio deserves a lot of credit for the, the success of that team, just like the he deserves success in 2018 when the Bears made the playoffs behind Absolutely. his defense. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, so it wasn't all there, but I know this, and this is fact. The last two coaching cycles, he's been on his knees begging for that, an yeah. NFL job, and nobody will – he's got a couple interviews – you know, he was supposedly, according to the media, and from what I hear, that was his media, his guys pushing the thing. You know, you're supposed to have a locked job in, in Minnesota that mm -hmm. O'Connell got. And right. he never, never really did. He never had it. Interesting. And he never had, you know, and he never had a strong interview. I know he wanted to get interviewed here. He didn't. Mm -hmm. So why they if, if, if they didn't talk to him two years ago, why are they gonna talk to him now? Mm -hmm. And I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out why the the fan base here is so in love with Harbaugh. I guess because he played here. Uh, for yeah, a but few he wasn't years. that good a player. He was. It was awful under Ditka. ruined them. I think. I remember. I was. I, you know, I was working for the Giants, and I'm on the road, and I got a Bears game on. You know, Sunday somewhere, and it was a game that did could just rip the shit out of him on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, like up and down the sidelines for about ten minutes. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Um, all right, let's get to some of the questions and keep firing away. I just got a handful here. Hank, uh, what kind of answer this? He says, I, I think the majority of Fields' problems come from the strange play calls by Getsy. What does Greg think? So you uh, talked about this already. That. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. I don't think he is given an opportunity mm -hmm. to be the quarterback he can be. Yeah. Uh, in terms of if, if the team comes back with Matt Eberflus as the head coach and he is commanded – to uh, bring in a new OC to coordinate for Justin Fields. What type of an offensive coordinator? Not, you don't have to give me a name, but what type of an offensive coordinator do you think would be a good marriage for the athletic Justin Fields? Well, I, you know, I got a couple thoughts. And I, and I actually thought, I mean, number one, first guy I'd want to talk to was Pep. And yes, I'm biased. But I also know how good he is. Okay, there's a guy in college that has worked in the league, been a coordinator of the league, but didn't call plays, but he's called plays in college. Mm -hmm. And he's worked in the system, Liam Cohen, who is currently at Kentucky. Okay, Cohen was the quarterback coach for the Rams. And then he went from the Rams to Kentucky and was the OC, and that's when – you know, their quarterback who got drafted last year had his great 
junior year or sophomore year. And then he, you know, he wasn't as good the, the following year, but Liam wasn't there. 19 or 2022, Liam was back with the Rams as the OC. But we all know that the OC there is OC in name only. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because of the head coach. It's the head coach's offense. He calls the plays. So after one more year at the Rams with the title of OC, he goes back to Kentucky this year. Has to have a brand new quarterback, and they, you know, have a pretty good season again. But he would come in and pretty much, you know, play the same system. Mm-hmm. Got run it a lot differently. Um, and so from that standpoint, you're you're already putting the players in position that they already know what the hell they're doing. You know, the, the terminology is the same. Yeah, plays might be drawn up a little bit different. The plays are going to be called a lot different. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the turnover or the change, the time it takes to change is very, very minimal because it's pretty much the same system. Mm. You know, and, and so those are, are right now my my two best names. You know, as far as head coach, Quinn, I got at the top of the list. A lot of people you know, are pushing this guy at Detroit, the OC. Well, you know, if you look at Detroit the last couple of weeks, they've stunk. They should have mm-hmm. lost to us. They yep. did lose on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they've looked very average. He's a first-time offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Does he have enough experience? To be a head coach. No. That's so. a concern. Okay, there's mm-hmm. another name that's getting a lot of play lately. And that's Bobby Slowick, who's the OC with Houston. Mm-hmm. And he's done a great job with CJ Stroud. Slowick's the first year coordinator, play caller, etc. Mm-hmm. Came from San Francisco. And so again, do you trust? I'm not saying that they could be great, but they still just don't have that experience factor that moves the needle, at least for me. Right. What do you think of uh, J2K asked this question of uh, the Dolphins head coach? Do do you like his style of coaching? Because it seems like this is he's kind of the the new breed of coaches. You want somebody who relates to players, who is a very creative, maybe even a little quirky. You don't, you don't worry, you know, that he's he doesn't look like the traditional head coach on the sidelines. He's wearing weird looking. Remember, pants. remember, remember, remember we talked about him a few years ago, and he said looked like the mad scientist up in the back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the um <laughs> You know, when you, the more you see of him, the more likable he is. Mm-hmm. But here's the reality is he's the head coach of the offense. Mm-hmm. Big Fangio right. is the head coach of the defense. Yes, yes. You know, and, and so 
you know, you got a pretty good marriage there. Mm -hmm. And he's, he is very, very innovative. Mm -hmm. Uh, to his, he was never a play caller because Shanahan called the plays. Right. But he worked for Shanahan for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like he was at San Francisco for a year or two. Yeah. Now, and yeah. slow, I'd have to go back and look at Slowick's bio and see, mm -hmm. you know, I know his dad was in the league for a long time, see how long, you know, exactly what he's been doing. But, and I may just be, you know, because I haven't done enough homework. I just don't see a great list of candidates right now. There might mm -hmm. be. Yeah. I just after starting. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just, you know, like the year Nagy got hired, there was a pretty darn good list. Mm -hmm. You know, and right now I don't think you can say the same thing but that, that's my opinion and people may disagree yeah um i made a mistake uh, j2k was uh referring to mike mcdonald who is with the ravens he's the coordinator of the ravens you know anything about him well he's a first year guy okay the oh explain it. dc i was looking oc the second year dc with the ravens he was actually Harbaugh's DC, the other Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. The 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 brothers did a swap, which they've ah. done a lot. You know, it's like Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh says, I got a pretty good coach here. I need him, and I think he's could be a coordinator, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure exactly what he could do. I'll send him to my brother. He could be the coordinator at Michigan for a year. If he does a good job, I'm gonna bring him back. And they really do that. Those two do that. They've done it several times. Mm -hmm. And it works pretty good. And speaking of Harbaugh's, I'd hire his brother in a second and a half. Hmm. You know, John Harbaugh? He's he's one of the best coaches in the NFL for the last absolutely. 10, 15 years. His, yeah. his brother, you know, didn't get all the genes that daddy had. <laughs> Here's my concern about this whole coaching situation. It's going to be a hot topic for the next several weeks is, you know, let's say you keep Eberflus. Who the hell is going to want to come in here as the offensive coordinator knowing that Eberflus is, could potentially be fired in 2024 if he well, has a losing yeah, that, 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 and that That is a great question. But there will be people that some guy may take it and say, I can do such a good job on offense, I'll get the head job when it's over. Mm -hmm. You know? They'll have that confidence in themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Yeah, and and so I, I I get exactly what you're saying. I don't think it would be that difficult. Um, and then you get into the money part, and money talks too. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you, you know he's going to get a couple million dollars to be a a coordinator in the NFL versus what's he making now. And you're going to get a minimum of a three-year contract. So yeah, even if you get fired, you're getting paid for three years. Yeah. You know, so. And so, you know, that also begs the question is, you know, and we, we talked about this briefly is that could be the motivation for 
Kevin Warren and or Ryan Poles to say, let's start this whole thing over. New head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, and maybe even a new quarterback. Because what what coach would want to come in and say, yeah, I'll take care of Justin Fields with that pressure that he's got one year to turn Justin Fields into a legitimate NFL franchise quarterback. Well, you can, you can draft a quarterback, just not do it with a high first pick. Danny Shimon said that yesterday. It's a good point. Okay, Great so, point. you know, and take one of those big guys, because if you take one of those big guys, you're handing in the keys to the ship. You know, mm-hmm. or the car, or whatever, and and so, <laughs> and and you're and you're not, you're setting the team back a little bit in that you're going to have to play the guy, mm-hmm. and I think you know the situation would be better than what Justin had a couple of years ago. But I go back to what I said a little earlier. Who's to say that the guy there's anybody in college right now? That's any better than Justin? Yeah, totally get it. I, 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 I'm actually. And you know how become... critical I was after that that first Minnesota game. Yeah. And then you know, and, and part of it, part of the changes, he came back from that. He got hurt, came back, played strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially last week at, at Detroit, and he was still, you know, playing hurt. And. Then there was troubles at Minnesota, and now that I see it both times trouble with Minnesota, I don't think it was Minnesota blitzing. I think mm-hmm. it's the play calling. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to argue against that, and I think a lot of people in the chat room are agreeing. Let's see what we've got. Uh, JPN says, Greg and Aldo, how about signing Kirk Cousins and continuing to build through the draft? So there has been some talk about the Bears potentially signing signing a bridge veteran quarterback, trading Justin Fields, bringing in a veteran quarterback, trying to get into the playoffs while you develop a Tyson Bajant or a second or third round uh, pick. Do you like the idea of the Bears perhaps well, relying did, on I a think if you did something like that, you're taking – a quarterback with that first pick, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're playing the hand. See, I personally think he wants to trade the pick just like he traded it last year because yeah. he can do more for the franchise doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing I'm going to rile some, some people here because I'm, I'm, I know I'm in the minority of what fans think. Okay. They're taking Marvin Harrison Jr. It's not happening. Get it out of your head. Really? Unless it's like, yes. I mean, first of all, when you got a team like the Bears, mm-hmm. you don't take a wide receiver in a, with a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Because a wide receiver is a final piece to the puzzle, not part of putting the, the, the base of that puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to take premium picks, you know, you know premium pl- position players. Okay, and those are the defensive line. line, defensive line, quarterback, corners. Okay, so based you on gotta, what you, you know, that. based on what you know of this draft, give me some names that you would draft well, before I, I, Marvin Harrison. It, well, it's it's. I would take Mark Marvin Harrison at, you know, let's say they have one and they trade out, mm-hmm. and then their second pick is. 
you know, their, their own pick is five or six, or when they trade down, they take five or six, you know, they got five or six. Okay. I'd be tempted on taking them out. I'm not taking them at one, two or three or even mm-hmm. four. In fact, you, you know how I, we go through like recent drafts to see where certain positions are taken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the highest wide receiver taken in 10 years is Chase Cincinnati. And he went at five in, in 2021. Mm-hmm. Before that, the highest was Sammy Watkins at four in like 2013 or 2014. And Doug Whaley, who took him, got fired for taking him. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, Whaley thought he was a difference maker and he wasn't a difference maker. He just turned out to be a very average pro. Now, mm-hmm. I'll say this, because I've been doing more work on the wide receiver package. There are three other receivers in this draft mm-hmm. that you can't tell me could end up be. I'm not saying they will, mm-hmm. but the when you, when you look at the number of great receivers that say that, that have gone later in the first round, in the second round, you know, like A.J. Brown, you can't tell me he's not a great receiver. Second mm-hmm. round pick, okay. Uh, the receiver they had up in Green Bay for years, he's with the Raiders now. Second round pick, okay. Mm-hmm. They get him, but you got both LSU receivers, mm-hmm. and you got the kid at Washington. Yep. Those guys aren't good receivers, those are great receivers. Yeah, they're really, really, really okay. awesome players. And in all honesty, they might even be faster than. Than Harrison. What Harrison has is his huge publicity machine. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of it is because his dad's a Hall of Fame receiver. Okay. Sure. And I'm not taking a thing away from him. Yeah, he's a great player. But I want to, you know, you've already got a number one receiver in DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. And you got him under contract for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Mooney was looking like he was going to be a real good receiver. Isn't it ironic that once this group got here, his production went down? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so is it Mooney or the people running the offense? That's a great question, and one that you'll get different a lot of different answers. You get 50 people in a room, you'll get 25 answers saying it's the OC and 25 saying it's Mooney. Well, I, I'm saying Mooney is still the receiver he was when he put up the numbers two years ago. He's not getting the opportunity. He's not getting the targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. uh, and DJ has, you know, lived up to the trade. He's got 70 receptions, already got 1,000 yards, probably going to have his best overall year as a pro. Mm-hmm. So, he is your number one. And if you took a, a receiver, say one of those three guys I just mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit later, yeah, you're going to yeah. tell me that that receiving room isn't a lot better than it was. And you can get a special player at a different position at, at a premium position with the high pick. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how I was brought up to do this, you know, in, in this business. I just, you know, I, I don't think, you know, if, if 
like Philadelphia took Javante Smith at six, six mm-hmm. or seven. They traded up to do so. And he was like, you know, they had already just gotten, I think, A.J. Brown, or they got him last year. But it was like, okay, this is the difference maker. We need to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's when you use that kind of pick. But right. when you got a team that can't win a freaking ball game, and you you you've got to shore up the core positions. Yep. Zach is saying uh, that wide receiver is a premium position in today's NFL. If a cornerback is a premium position, then so is the wide receiver. The game has changed, and so that's elevated the wide receiver position. Then why? Now, why is let me let me add. I'm just gonna say that why is the wide receiver not gone up uh, higher than five in the last ten years? I and I, I I got a feeling that's going to start to change, Greg. I I really do. I I I I think that the league sometimes is slow to change its habits. Um, so you know, it, it, it's like I've had this argument for years about the uh, outside tackle positions. I've for years have been saying that the middle of the offensive line is the most important because quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly. Quarterbacks want to step up into the pocket and. Defenses are bringing their best pass rushers inside because of that strategy of getting rid of the ball quickly. You can get by with a Charles Leno and a Braxton Jones at your left tackle position. In fact, you can count on one hand really great off uh, left tackles in the NFL. They're just they're not being bred anymore by college football because everybody has got these these goofy offensive uh, systems. And I think that the same thing is happening now with the wide receiver position. You might see Marvin Harrison pick before both of these quarterbacks. I, well, I I don't believe that's going to happen because the quarterback is the premium position. <laughs> Okay, okay, I got carried away. <laughs> you got, you know, it, it's and now if you get a team in in a situation, say like the Eagles when they took Javante Smith, mm-hmm. who wants to move in and get Marvin Harrison because he's the final piece, mm-hmm. I can see that happening. He's the guy. He you know he's putting us over the top. And I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's sure, I what, do. What what's your team got? Yep. You know, and especially when you look at the depth of the position within the draft. Yeah. I, I that those are solid points, no doubt about it. Tooch wants to know who do you think, Greg, is the best player in this 2024 draft? For regardless of position of the players that you scouted, you would say this is the best football player coming out uh, in 2024. Well, a month ago, I would have said Caleb Williams. But he was, he didn't, wasn't just average. He was bad. He was. And Drake May was above average, but not a different. Now, Drake May doesn't have the supporting cast that, that people like Fields had at Ohio State and and uh, C.J. Stroud had at Ohio State, but still, he, he's he been a little shaky himself. 
with uh, why is my dog? Ah, oh, he's in the room. No, he's not in the room because I, I forgot to bring him in. Somebody oh. must be walking by and he heard it. Because he was he was in the other room sleeping in front of the fireplace. But anyway, I, I all honesty, I haven't done it yet. This all cleaning lady here. Hold on a second. Let me let him in and Take your time. talk. Okay. No problem. That's uh oh darn it, I forgot his name. Greg's dog is a huge, beautiful dog, uh, and he sounds like one of the 85 bears, the junkyard dogs, remember? <laughs> you old-timers remember that? <laughs> the junkyard dogs and bears defense? Uh, he's a great, great dog. I visited over at, at Greg's house, and he's just a, a sweetheart of a dog. But one bad move, I know he would have chopped my arm off. <laughs> um, Getsy is running plays in Greg's yard. What's that? They are <laughs> it's a very uh, iceberg slim one. Iceberg, oh, put those headsets on. Iceberg slim wants to know if you've got a bear in your house. <laughs> well, he's as big as a bear. <laughs> really? <laughs> he's pretty big. What's the no, breed I mean, of the it, dog? It's not, uh, it's not. called Mutt. No, but he's got, when we did the DNA, he's got <laughs> Mastiff in him and Rottweiler. And, and a beautiful you know, light brown coat. Uh, oh, he with, looks like a lab. He yeah, looks like he does. a giant lab. Yeah. Because, but, okay, here's, if you picture his body, now his head is a lot different because he's got Cocker Spaniel in him. And I'd love to see how that is. You got some big monster dog. And then Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> oh, my God. So he's got. I'm not sure I want to see know, that. He's got a smaller head. But he's got, you know, remember the movie Turner and Hooch with yes. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks, yeah. Okay. From the neck down, he's Hooch. <laughs> Ah, that's right. That's, he is big and solid. I mean, he's 100 pounds. He is strong. When you take him for a walk and he decides he wants to pull yeah, to go get a squirrel or something, yeah, it's all over. <laughs> Better wear roller skates. Uh, all right. Now, where were we? You were on a point here, and I've forgotten what it was. No, I but haven't. I, I really haven't put you know, said, okay, this guy's number one, this guy's number two now, because it, you know, it, it's changed. And I had a discussion with a doctor friend of mine, because when you look at his play, a top five player is late to at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have the, the neck issue. Right. And, you know, so the conversation we were having is he's played two years without instance. Mm -hmm. You know, the doctors at, at Washington, when he first had this injury in 2020, spring of 20, um, did not pass him. So he didn't play in 20, didn't play in 21. Transfer, played in the spring of 21, or mm -hmm. actually it was spring of 22. Mr. 21 fall, you know, goes to UCLA, has been dominant the last two years, double digit sacks last year, double digit sacks this year. 
I didn't see what the final count is on this year because I didn't see what he did on on this past Saturday, but he had 13 sacks going into last week. Um, just on play, he's a top five player and the best pass rusher in this in this draft, but he's got that injury. So, the, you know, the conversation we had is, well, you know, what was the injury? And I cannot, I've done a lot of research, cannot find exactly what the, not the injury, what the surgery was. Okay. Did he just have a fusion in his neck? And mm-hmm. if that's the case, that's not a big deal. There's a lot of guys playing with that. Mm. You know, uh, it, but if it's something worse than that, or it hadn't been totally rectified, supposedly from the reading I did, the, the Washington doctors didn't pass him because six months after surgery is up, then he still had numbness. Okay. So, but you know, the, the, the inverse of that is you say, okay, he's played in 22 and 23. He hasn't missed a game and been mm-hmm. a dominant player. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's just playing, you know, 25 or 30% of the game, he's probably playing 65% of the steps because everybody, does some sort of rotation, maybe even 70%. He's obviously been involved in big collisions. Hasn't missed any time whatsoever. And that with a lot of teams is a huge consideration. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to say, okay, he hasn't played. Now, now we both agreed when I had this conversation that the MRI is going to play into it. And then number two, most teams, he said there'll probably be a spine specialist there. And he'll give his opinion. But most teams, especially if they're interested in the guy, will have their own guy look at him. And not necessarily at the combine, but but later. If in fact they think it's worth having, you know, if they if they get a they see the MRI at the combine and the doctors look at it and go, he's fine. Mm -hmm. We don't see a problem. Then it's not. But I think once we get to the combine, that is the biggest story. Now, when a team's doctors wants to do a follow-up, they're not going to take another MRI because then the poor guy would be taking four or five MRIs of teams that are interested. does, does the one MRI. Yeah, so he does he the does one that. MRI. He'll, he'll do that, like, you get off the bus and get an MRI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be done right away. Yeah, yeah. And they, they do that with players. If they know there's certain x-rays or MRIs that have to be taken, they do them right away as soon as the kid gets there. Right, and then those okay, are shared with all, all the teams. All 32 teams get them. Okay. Okay, now. Yeah. They all interpret them differently. <laughs> That's the key, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you could theoretically have 16 teams say he's good and 16 teams say no. Mm-hmm. But I'll reiterate, I know with a lot of teams, and I know when I worked here with the Bears, one of the big points was, has he played? Has mm-hmm. he missed time? And in this case, this case, he played two years and hasn't missed any time. So mm-hmm. that would be a huge part 
of the equation. But there's still a lot of unanswered questions because what was the surgery for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of questions. Okay, let's get to some of these questions. <laughs> Segway there. Uh, I've got about eight of them. Uh, so uh, these Darren says, I like Flus calling the defense. Reminds me of the Buddy Ryan situation. You know, it's, it's slightly different because Buddy wasn't the head coach with the Chicago Bears, but there is no no arguing here that this defense has been much, much better for two reasons. Iberflus calling the plays and the acquisition of Montez Sweat. This is now one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL. You agree with that? I don't know if it's one of the top 10, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah, they really yeah. are. On top of that, they're healthy mm -hmm. for the most part. And just to bitch a little bit about the officials last night. They yeah, because that's enough. A lot of questions on call on, on Kyler Gordon on that deep. On that deep play, bullshit, yep. that was not an interference. And I tweeted right after, I go nine nine times out of ten, that call never happens. Unbelievable. His head turned, his hand going, you know. There's not a corner in the league who isn't grabbing mm -hmm. at the one hand as they're going up. It happens every freaking pass play. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, you know, so... They were just being nitpicky on a young corner in, in, in that case. That's that's my opinion. I thought uh, I thought the the roughing the passer call on Gravon Dexter was a BS call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, how can he stop from putting some? Well, they're saying it's because he you know he landed on him with the, the yeah. You know, he should have tried to twist his body a little bit as they were going down, and then there wouldn't have been a call. Oh, you know, that's can't do that. Well, you, theoretically, you probably can. You got to be thinking fast, and you know, a, a veteran probably would do that, and a rookie mm -hmm. not. Um, but speaking of Gervon Dexter, that dude's coming out. He is outstanding. And, and player. He's he's becoming a, a really good player. Only going to get better. The only complaint I got with Fluce's defense, and it's just he doesn't like – he seldom likes to pressure. Right. And pressuring is becoming a bigger part of, of today's game where, you know, the, the Bears' blitz percentage is probably in the bottom five of the league where, you know, like Minnesota's in the top three of the league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see some and, and you look at the teams that are and most of the teams that pressure a lot are pretty damn successful. Because mm -hmm. you're you, you force the other team into mistakes, you force the offense into mistakes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's great when you can get a pass rush with three or four players, but uh, so Montez, Montez got nine sacks now, five games to go. He's th that equals. His high is a pro. That's right. So he will have double-digit sacks for the first year. And I looked at the numbers before he came out. He needs mm -hmm. like eight tackles to equal his, his best overall nice. tackle season. So nice. he's going to have his best career season. High. Yeah, I mean, by far, really. And, yep. I mean, that's turning out to be a, you know, a great trade. 
Interesting question uh, from Sam. He says, with all the talk about generational talent, that QB and wide receiver in this draft, how hard of a decision will Poles have to make this offseason with the number one pick? Draft Marvin Harrison or trade for a Hall of Picks? I mean, there's all these possibilities. So I'd, I'd love for you to talk about what kind of pressures Ryan Poles is under as he heads into the 2024 draft. I don't think he's in that much pressure. I think in his mind, he's thinking, if I get that number one pick, I'm trading it. Mm -hmm. Put it this way. It's, if he doesn't trade it, he's taking a quarterback. He's not taking Marvin Harrison with the first pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. You know, the last time a, a wide receiver went number one, Keyshawn Johnson. Oh, wow. I would have guessed Detroit. No, Keyshawn Johnson. Okay. Yeah, it was, and that was not almost uh, 30 years ago. Good player, but he was not worth the number one overall pick. That's for sure. Um, all right. More questions here. Uh, just curious, wants to know, what do you guys think about Josh McCown? He recently got fired. Do you think he would be a good candidate for the offensive coordinator job or any offensive coordinator job? To me, it seems like McCown has got all the tools to be a viable coach. But what do you think? Well, he was the other firing that Chris made that I just don't get. Yeah, so that was there's weird. something behind the scenes there that we're probably never going to know. Mm -hmm. um, McCown's got, I mean, it's really his first year coaching, coached high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was what people thought was a favorite for the Houston job when Lovey got it to be the head coach. Uh, can he be a, you know, with all the years he spent in the league as a quarterback, could he be a good uh, coordinator candidate? Yeah. Again, he hasn't called plays, but right. you got to, that experience that he has, that's got to matter. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, should he play for a million years? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's not like he was in the league five or six. He was in the league a long time. And mm -hmm. so he's, and with different teams, so he's worked in a lot of different schemes. And so that, then you get to, you know, take a little from here, take a little from here and, and put your own thing together that mm -hmm. you think is going to work. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I put it this way. It's a real interesting name. Yeah, it really would is. They, would they would they pull the trigger on it? I, you know, I can't say that. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to know. You know, I, people don't want to hear that. I think if, if if I think the only way Flus keeps his own job mm -hmm. is he's got. There's still what five games left. Mm -hmm. Got to right. win. Got to win four of them. Ooh. Okay. Well, bye. <laughs> bye, Matty. <laughs> I think Jimmy Tony wants to hear you say some f bombs. He's asking. <laughs> what do you think no, about one of your old buddies <laughs> he's, he's only he's only coach this is the first year he's ever coached and he's a quarterback coach yeah no he's uh, he's somebody that you don't particularly like right no <laughs> i don't like i don't like you know he tried to undermine a coaching staff mm -hmm. and 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 Oh, my my helmet headset doesn't work. It was working. 
He just wanted to ignore it. That's... I'm going to call my own place. That's an awful thing. Uh, D. Starren says, did Frank Wright get fired because he was not happy with the quarterback pick that the owner forced upon uh, him? Uh, that's you know, the story. I, I, don't, you know, I don't know what the story is. And, and somebody asked me that last night. Mm -hmm. And I could probably find out because okay. I'm close to some people that are, you know, I've met Frank once. I don't really, I don't, you know. Talk to him once. I don't know, but I know people that are very, very close to him. Yeah, and I know those people well, so I can find that out. Um, I don't. You know, there's some reports to that. I don't know what's true and and what's made up. Yeah, but I I'm gonna try to find out. But I'm gonna do it at the right time. You know, I might be a month before I find out the answer, but I will mm -hmm. find out the answer. Great. And we'll hear it here on the Barroom Network. Uh, Walter asked the question, let's say we don't trade uh, out of that first round pick and we take Marvin Harrison Jr. and say Jared Verse in the first round. Would you be mad at that? Well, I, I take about three guys before Jared Verse. I don't think Jared Verse has had that great a year. Now, he had yeah, a great game Saturday night. Yes, he did. Against, against Florida. But there's there's just something missing, mm -hmm. and like the one sack he had, I don't know if you remember it. It was in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. but he comes upfield, and you know he doesn't have that lean coming right. off the edge, you mm -hmm. know. So he's a little bit upright, and he probably gets by the defensive end, but he had he ends up taking like three extra steps and has a rounded cut. Mm -hmm. now he's he, he can run pretty good I think he's a blazer but he runs pretty good and he's strong um, but in the NFL he's not getting near the quarterback when he got to do that take extra steps he got to run you got to have that lean and mm -hmm. that dip to get underneath and make it a short angle and a tight angle to the quarterback and mm -hmm. I have not seen him do that. And, and you look at his, his sack numbers over the last two years, and they're very, very average. Yeah, you know, they not, are. Not, not close to double digits. Right. Um, right now, I, you know, late two, we talked about Chop Robinson from Penn State. I'd take mm -hmm. both of those guys over him. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, Chop Robinson is an in interesting candidate. Uh, isn't he a bit undersized for what um, the Bears run? I, don't, I think he's about two fifty, but okay. he can get and he, but he can run and he's got a a great motor. Mm -hmm. um, he would be to me a pretty good complement to Sweat. Mm -hmm. Because he is your proverbial speed guy coming off right. the edge. Right. Um, I, I still think they're going to take a pass rusher. Number one, because I, he's, he's already paid sweat. So I can't see him re-upping Ngakwe unless you get him for the same money. I agree. Right. Okay. And so... Mm -hmm. But from a cap purpose, 
it makes a lot more sense to get a rookie in that mm -hmm. position and, and build from there. And again, I've said it a thousand times. It's the only position of the key positions that he hasn't drafted yet. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Braylon Trice, J2K, wanted to know your thoughts on Braylon Trice. I, I love, love him coming in. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't had – it's been like verse. He's been kind of disappointing this year. And I haven't looked at late tape. Yeah. I thought he'd be like a 12, 13 – like late to 12, 13 sacks this mm -hmm. year. And I think he might have – now they got the championship game this week, but I think he's at around a half a dozen. And it's like he didn't get one until game five. It's like, and, and they played some dirt ball teams early. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what was, what was going on? Because last year's tape, it was like, wow, that guy was something to look at. And that's got to be part of the equation too. You got to look at, at last year's tape too, but you got to say, Absolutely. Why did he get off to such a slow start? Yeah, I know. I know he has played better uh, of late. Uh, we got a couple of questions here on the Ohio State defensive and JT Tuomoa. Not a fan. Tell us why. He's he's only been productive. He's not productive game after game after game. He's a better run defender than he is a pass rusher. Mm -hmm. He got all his publicity for one game, Penn State, a year ago. He has a couple sacks, an interception, and a cause fumble. Mm -hmm. He's all world. But watch <laughs> every game. And look at, I don't, you know, I don't have the stat down. Here's another guy that's got five sacks. All right. Okay. All right. And I had this conversation with Poles last year. We were talking about different guys. Yeah, that's what you do. You take a you take a sack guy who doesn't get sacks. <laughs> that's a problem. You know, I mean, really. I mean, you know, if you're gonna take a pass rusher, you better have some freaking production. <laughs> I know Tim Willis is a huge fan of Howard Cross. Tim and Jeff uh, Willis do the Willis Twin Towers podcast on Fridays. Love Howard so, Cross. Of course, you're I know a Howard Cross fan. Well, yeah, his, his, his dad was with us at at the Giants. And uh -huh. so I know he's got now Howard isn't very big. Right. Probably six feet tall. Yeah. 280, 285 pounds. He is strong as an ox. Mm -hmm. I think he's gonna for a six foot guy, he's gonna have pretty good arm length. Uh and he's got a great, great motor and great, I mean advanced hand use. For a college guy, early um, day three is where I'm. I'm placing him. You think probably because of size, right? His his tape throw mm -hmm. out the measurables. His tape says day two every day of the week. Yeah, but yeah. you know he's going to be six foot two eighty two eighty five. I think he's going to run pretty good. Mm -hmm. Now don't and, you know that that kid from from Pitt last year. He went in the first round. Mm -hmm. And he, he's a little guy. Yep. Uh, switching subjects here. Uh, Laval Nichols wants to know, what do you think about Ron Rivera? If he becomes available as a head coach, would you entertain interviewing him for the head coach job? I love Chicago Ron, but bottom line is 
He's failed as a head coach of two franchises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got to the Super Bowl at, at, at Carolina. Right. Um, I, 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 there, there's something. I, I love the guy. The guy mm-hmm. plays hard, but there, there's something missing there. And I haven't been around around in a long time to know. Um, how often does a guy get a third shot at the at the apple? Oh, it's tough. Yeah, I hire him as a DC in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would he would be a welcome addition to Hallis Hall, but not as the head guy. I agree with that. Um, Mr. Englewood has an interesting question about Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens. They, he says they're making good strides, and you talked about Dexter earlier in the show, and the secondary has improved. Can you compare the state of the current Bears defense to where it was under Lovey's tenure? It's an interesting question. Um, I think it's similar. No, we got Tommy Harris the first year Lovey was here. And he you know, he instantly uh, started producing, if I remember correctly. Right, Tom right. did, and, and and we had tanks, so we had really two threes, and we played tanks some at the one, and and you know we had some we had some pretty good people. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our linebacker crew was, you know, a, a hall of famer and a could be hall of famer and an Erlacher and and Briggs. I think this secondary here might be a little better. And they're still young, so they're, mm-hmm. they're going to to get better. Um but but it's 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 an interesting question. I you know it is put it this way, they're they're in the same sentence. Yeah. It's a very interesting question. One we'll maybe uh, talk about again uh, towards the end of the season when we've got the full portfolio of work and we we can do a more fair comparison. PZ has brought up the name that I've brought up to you a number of times, that defensive tackle from Illinois, Jerzon Newton. Have you had a chance to look at him and study him? Yeah, pretty good. And they lost the game, but he had a pretty good game against Northwestern the other night. Um, I can't see them right now using a high pick on a defensive tackle because they used two picks on a defensive tackle last year and they just extended billings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that Jones has one more year on his contract and Jones has played really well the last half of the season. Yeah. I cannot see them. You're going to see him take an edge before you're going to see him take an inside guy. I, I I can see that. I, I I'd hate to pass up on Newton because I think he's going to be special. But I I totally agree with you. I don't your know if he's going to be special. I don't know if I agree. You know, they say top twenty pick. I don't know if I agree with that. He's going to be a good yeah. player. I've seen him as a top ten in some uh, reports, but, uh, yeah, but we'll see. He's got to land land with the right team, the right teammates, and right. so forth. Uh, that's always a big part of the equation. Sam is asking you. What's your take on hiring an offensive or defensive head coach? He says, I think it's important that we hire an offensive head coach for the continuity to be stable for years to come. Look at what is happening with the Buffalo Bills, a team that you know very well and have a defensive guy as their head coach. Um, I think you hire the best guy as the head coach and you don't worry about 
what side of the ball he coaches. You're not going to say, well, you're the best guy, but I want a guy on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's, that's stupid. You hire the best guy who you think can do the best job leading your team. If mm-hmm. you lose an OC, if you hire a defensive guy, you know, I, I some of the names I'm thinking about, and and a guy who's going to get a lot of interviews mm-hmm. this season, and the guy familiar here is Sean Desai. That's right. Done a great job in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, smarter than hell. Fangio uh, disciple. He is he's gonna get a lot of looks. You know, it just turned out <clears throat> the defensive guys. I just think when you look at them, when you look at the body of work, they're a little stronger than the offense guys. The, the offensive guys are real young. To, you know, some of the and you know, what's their experience? That's just my take. But again, mm-hmm. I haven't put enough work into it yet to really. How about this? What if if um, Tennessee coach got fired? Head coach got fired. Uh, Mike Frable. Yes. Uh, I'd love to interview him. Come on in. Let's talk. You're darn right. Tell me, tell me what you would do with this offense. I know I have a pretty good idea what you're going to do with the defense. Um and by the way, I don't quite agree with Ebony here. Desai was terrible here. I think Desai, Desai is a proven coach. Yeah, yeah. He did a great job when he was the DB coach, and then in his one year as DC, the team all around him was falling apart. So that was not a, a fair thing for him. I'm glad he got another chance. And and uh, uh, Belismo says, he's by got, the way, he, I mean, he's been two places since, and, and one is a position coach, and now at Philly as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And see, I'll say this about Philly they don't hire dog shit. Right. Yeah. They, okay. they know their shit. They, they are good at that. They, yeah. they, they made him the DC, and mm-hmm. uh, that tells you a whole lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I'm a fan of Howie Roseman. That is all you need to know. Yeah. And not only did he, has he done, you know, was he, I thought, a good hire. He's done an outstanding job with that defense. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Um, let's see. JP. And I can only do like one more because I got to get some work done for these people that are here. All right. Well, I answered this one already. There isn't a center you would take in the first no. round, right? All right, so here's here's the final question. Greg, what do you think Justin's value actually is? I'm thinking maybe a middle first rounder or two, or two second rounders. So if Pose decided, let's clear house, let's start all over, I'm going to trade Justin Fields, what's a realistic uh, return on uh, uh, trading Justin Fields? Yeah, I, I don't even know if I can answer it because, number one, I don't think it's going to get traded. Mm-hmm. So I haven't given it thought. But – you're going to know not too long after the season ends what direction they're going to go. I think you're right. And, you know, then you're going to find out. And and there's going to be people that – there's going to be some people that are going to look at the fluff and say, uh, 
he might not be that good. And there's going to be some people that are really good coaches and know how to develop and go, God, what I can do with this guy, you know? So it, 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 his value could be different from, from coach A to coach B mm -hmm. or franchise right. A to franchise B. Great. Good way to end up a really interesting show. A minute and 24 seconds on the clock. Greg, uh, go take care of business. And thank you very much uh, for uh, spending so much time with us today. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk next week. Peace out, everybody.